at least 28 asylum seekers are known to have died, and authorities have warned the toll is likely to rise. The mainstream Australians have been sold down the drain. Increasing numbers of culturally incompatible refugees and migrants are entering our country. And of course, every government goes up the With no end in sight to the current wave of asylum seekers, nine years can reveal the true welfare cost to Australian taxpayers. And welcome back. So um, just a reminder, dear listeners, that if you do want to call in and uh, give us uh, your perspective of all this, you can call us on 9724-3355 or you can leave a message on the event page on Facebook. So now we come to a very interesting um, segment of our guest list. Um, our guest is, I guess, uh, a type of um, a duality. He is an ex-asylum seeker, but he's also an executive member of the New South Wales La- Young Labour. So uh, Sam is a young activist involved in a range of community organisations and is currently a member of the Canterbury Youth Council and is the founder president of the New South Wales Youth Association, Inc. At present, Sam is also a commissioner on the New South Wales Community Relations Commission. Sam is passionate about public policy across a wide spectrum of areas of policymaking. He arrived to Australia with his family 14 years ago as a refugee from Iraq. And he is now responsible for the Inner West Young Labour Association. And uh, before we came on air, I was speaking to Sam. And um, because I'm also originally from Iraq, it turns out that we were cousins. <laughs> just Not like, quite. Uh, <laughs> just like uh, a Bollywood movie. Everybody turns out to be cousins. <laughs> Sam, tell us first of all about your experience as an asylum seeker 14 years ago. Uh, well, I, I'm glad I have a first-hand uh, experience of uh, what it involves to be a refugee because uh, it, it uh, I think, allows me to appreciate the current debate uh, with no disrespect to others who don't have the first-hand account, but to appreciate the debate from a range of angles. First, as a refugee uh, fleeing a war-torn country under the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein, uh, and then uh, being here and, and uh, being under the Howard era as a detainee in Villawood uh, and staying there for eight months. Uh, and then uh, as an Australian citizen and somebody who's trying to settle as an asylum seeker, and in more recent times, uh, in particular over the last seven years, as a very active member of the community and involved in a range of public policy areas, uh, both within uh, lay- the uh, Young Labor Association, the Labor Party, uh, and the community at wide. So... Um, uh, I, I'd like to, in response to your question, focus on my uh, time in Villawood. Uh, like everybody's time, and I'm sure those who visit or those who've been there themselves would know, it's a very horrific uh, period with many setbacks. Uh, people say, how were the conditions? I say, well, you know, sometimes you can put uh, the best dining, the finest dining in front of anybody, but if you have fences around you, it, uh, it, is, no, uh, it is misery in heaven, if you like. Uh, and the psychological tra- uh, torture that one experiences uh, is is enormous. Uh, you're in constant uh, 
uh, in a constant phase of inst- instability uh, emotionally, psychologically, and so forth. And so, uh, without a doubt, that impacts your mental state uh, and psychological situation. And it was a, a terrible time for our family. My dad suffered two, at least two heart attacks that we know inside Villawood, which we were never told about. He was taken to hospital, given Panamax, and returned. Uh, and it was such was his situation. It was so bad that. Uh, uh, upon being released from Villawood, we found ourselves at the door of Prince Alfred Hospital and my dad had six blockages. So uh, that was the experience uh, that we had in, in Villawood. Okay, 14 years ago, was the um, political climate the same as it was as, as it is today? Uh, in Australia, uh, I think uh, as the uh, as Alex from Amnesty uh, Australia uh, pointed out earlier in the in the show, uh, we have come a long way uh, un- uh, from the uh, immoral, uh, uncivilized, and barbaric uh, policies of John Howard and his rhetoric uh, and mantra. Uh, he uh, he dehumanized asylum seekers to an extent that uh, is uh, I think beyond comprehension to anyone with a clear conscience. We have come a long way. The Howard, uh, the uh, the Gillard. Uh, uh, and and more so in particular the the uh, the Rudd uh, uh, government uh, phased out so many of the uh, horrible policies that John Howard had and and attempted to ensure that those who were in in detention uh, experienced uh, dignity. Uh, I think uh, things have come uh, in recent months and particularly since the 2010 election have been a little bit, um, if you like, uh, chaotic uh, and uh, and. Uh, uh, unsettled on the refugee and asylum seeker policy front. Okay. And, um, I mean, most of the um, policies that we've been talking about today have been labor policies, haven't they? That we're talking about today, yes. Um, uh, and I think there were some great policy moves made by the uh, by the Rudd government, including the abolishment of the temporary visas, uh, ensuring that people uh, were treated uh, far more uh, humanely in, 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 in detention centres and so forth. Um, what one needs to appreciate is the changing political landscape. Um, and uh, Labor, the current Labor government, is a minority government. Uh, and it's a government that uh, is under constant hostility by an opposition that is uh, focused on rhetoric, uh, uh, focused on fear-mongering, and, and focused on dehumanizing asylum seekers. So it's very important to keep that in perspective. I think sometimes we can run away from reality and um, uh, forget that uh, politicians and those who make public policy are involved in political warfare. And so you must appreciate the reality that comes with that warfare. And Labor's is squeezed in a very tight position, in particular uh, with the Liberals under the uh, leadership of Tony Abbott, uh, um, uh, someone who is as far as right as they come uh, on these issues. And that's very important to appreciate. Okay, but I mean, um, to say that there are political realities and that Labor is in you know, war with uh, liberals under uh, Tony Abbott. I mean, it, does that really justify or excuse the, um, I guess, the return of this anti-immigration sentiment that's been creeping back into Australian uh, public forum? Well, I don't accept that uh, this is a cause of the Labour Party. Um, I think uh, what uh, Minister Bowen has brought to the debate is 
a sense of maturity uh, without the rhetoric. Uh, you've got to understand, uh, the government has got to crack down on civil disobedience, whether it's inside or outside uh, Villawood uh, or any other detention centre or anywhere for that matter of fact. Uh, I think, uh, and, I, and I, I'm happy for you to ask me a little bit more about what I think about civil disobedience uh, inside uh, detention centres, but I think it's very unproductive and the government has every right uh, to protect its territories uh, and and uh, and respond accordingly. That doesn't mean uh, uh, responding to people in a way uh, that uh, involves uh, violence uh, and harming people, but I think there's an important response to be uh, uh, So, to but be even if um, Minister Bowen um, comes out and says that anyone who takes part in riots is, you know, automatically rejected, is yes. that a wise move from him? Well, you, again, as I said to you, um, uh, the reality is he's under immense uh, public pressure uh, and uh, the Australian public uh, have every right. Um, I think if uh, if the same was happening uh, in another country, uh, most people would respond the same way. Another country like which other country? Uh, for example, Iraq. Uh, yeah, but Iraq is not a democracy, is um, it? Well, it is fast becoming one. <laughs> but that's another debate. That's another debate. But my point is uh, most people would have the same re- reaction where they see their public buildings uh, and, and infrastructure and so forth, um, uh, vandalised and so forth. I, I think you've got to be, you've got to be, that's what you've got to be realistic about uh, people's reactions. Mm. Uh, and uh, and it's I'm what I'm stating to you is the natural human mm. uh, inclination. No, I mean I, I completely understand, and I guess I think everybody uh, here would also agree that uh, any sort of uh, act of riot or destruction destruction <coughs> of public property is something that we're all against and we don't agree with. Hmm. But this then goes back to the the step before, which a lot of people inside and outside of the detention center mention, which is you see people going crazy. Hmm. Why are they going crazy? Nobody seems to be asking that question. Yes, and what I agree with you on is addressing and taking preventative measures that stop people uh, from uh, being driven into such... Uh, situation of Abbas, you know, where they think this is, you know, the end of the world uh, and we need to resort to violence. I don't disagree with you there for one second. Uh, And I think the government uh, uh, and and generally the public forum has got to focus more on how we can assist people to ensure they don't get into this situation, that they are provided the uh, mental uh, care and assistance that they need, uh, that they are not kept um, uh, waiting uh, indefinitely to be processed and given an answer. I think that's the biggest problem. Mm. Uh, you know, there was a riot that happened when we were in Valoud, um, and, and people became quite crazy, shaking fences. And look, we were observers. Um, and, and and I had two older uh, teenage brothers who were angry. And But, you know, that was nowhere near. Uh, and, and seeing from what I see on the, in, the, um, in the news, it does not compare. Uh, but I, I do agree, and I definitely am a supporter of preventative measures uh, to ensuring that people are not driven to such uh, course of action, which doesn't help anybody. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, okay, tell us then about um, Julia Gillard's, um, I guess, <coughs> toying with, with different ideas of dumping the problem elsewhere. I mean, first yeah. of all, she started talking about mm. a- another Pacific solution, and now she's talking about mm. the Malaysian solution, which, I mean, everybody's saying it's, it's a very bad idea, and it puts people, <coughs> you know, willfully in the uh, line of danger. Yeah. I, I don't know whether that idea is, is going to really go ahead. I, I think there's still a lot to, to be, um, to be uh, put through the motions for that to go any further. Um, I think what it comes down to, uh, and the biggest problem why there has been inconsistency in public policy, is that the debate is always about rhetoric. It's not about the facts. And there isn't two 
two important admissions are missing from the debate. One is that people will always want to seek to be refugees and want to come to the, to the greatest country in the world. So we're, you know, if anybody thinks that all of a sudden any policy is going to stop people from coming, is to ignore the, the global push factors that get people uh, trying to come and seek uh, uh, refuge status to this country. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it misses the point about global poverty. It misses the point about violence and, and, and war-torn countries all over the world and the fact that we are the best country in the world. Actually, um, the U.S. is the best country in the world. We're the lucky country. <laughs> well, we're the luckiest country in the world. But uh, So the debate misses, uh, misses that point. The other point that the debate often misses, and it's why we're always having uh, solutions that I don't think, uh, quite frankly, uh, do a lot to address the issue, uh, is that um, often people forget, uh, and particularly our, our lead, our uh, public, uh, our politicians, uh, forget to um, say to the public and have a, by having a frank discussion that there's a no bullet solution to this issue. Uh, there is no bullet solution uh, to this issue. Uh, in my opinion, uh, and I'm happy to uh, uh, publicly state my own position uh, on this uh, on this issue. The first of which is that I think uh, we, uh, instead of having indefinite uh, mandatory detention, we ought to have um, temporary detention. Uh, that processes people, considers their, their case, uh, and ensures they're genuine refugees and they're not a security threat, and process them accordingly. Don't let them hold holding forever. That is what costs taxpayers money. And while people are in mandatory detention, make sure that they're treated as humanly as possible uh, and, and given the support they need. So we don't have lawsuit cases against them after they're, uh, against the government after they are released. Treat people accordingly, have the right processes, don't keep them detained indefinitely, and that solves the immediate problem. On a bigger and, wi on a bigger and wider issue, um, speed up the processing when people apply through embassies in the United Nations to seek refuge into Australia. Once you people see that it's not some, um, uh, they're not, you know, it's a, it's a proper queue and they'll get processed and they'll get a response in, in due and fair time, uh, then they will join supposedly the queue. But if you're keeping people and their families waiting in refugee camps all over the place, nobody's going to be prepared to say, oh, I'm going to live this constant instability. So look at speed up that process, address it. That way you take out the, the carrot away from the hands of the people smugglers. And work with regional, uh, regional partners, places like Indonesia and Malaysia, on banning people smuggling. And there'll be no reason for anybody coming, for example, from Afghanistan or Iraq or Africa to want to throw their livelihood, a couple of thousand dollars, and risk their lives and come on dinghy boats uh, when they can join a queue uh, and be assessed. And in most cases, these people will be found as genuine refugees because they're fleeing war-torn countries. They're seeking uh, refugees based on, on, on grounds that are accepted under the, under the convention. Uh, to me, these are uh, short-term and medium-term sol uh, solutions to the issue. In the long term, Australia's got to continue its commitment uh, to try and alleviate poverty, to try and ensure that democratic countries uh, are supported, and brutal regimes like that in such as Mugabe and, and, and others around the place are taken on, and like in other places in the Middle East. Um, if these conditions are addressed, nobody has a reason to want to flee their home country. Nobody wants to leave their social networks and restart again. Mm. Uh, the other more pressing issue is that of the environmental and food global crisis that we face. Uh, more close to our region, we, 
the Asia-Pacific um, region. There are countries that face environmental catastrophes like Bangladesh. And if we don't help these countries address these issues, we'll have millions of people coming and wanting to come. Uh, and I'm not sure that that human dis displacement is in anyone's interest uh, because it breaks down cultures that have strong histories and traditions and so forth. Uh, and it brings about great social instability. Um, so that's the long-term solution. Australia as a democratic country, as a, as a country that sees itself a, a major player uh, in world affairs, has got to continue to address the environmental, the, the political and indeed the global food crisis that we face with a growing population. That's very good. Uh, thank you very much. I mean, that's, these are very good solutions, but let's face it. I mean, yeah. most of your solutions have to do with Australia, um, you know, tending to external matters or, you know, uh, like, for example, fixing um, the, the refugee uh, issue through the UN or um, accessing um, or, or speaking to Indonesia and Malaysia and forcing them to, um, you know, improve their human rights record. I mean, these are third world countries. The problems in them are much more endemic than just sort of their treatment of, of immigration, um, you know, immigrants and, and refugees. I mean, the fact still comes back to, um, you know, Australia has some things which, which it can do now you know, uh, directly, which is its uh, policies towards asylum seekers. And there are other things as well that it can do in the long term, mm. like, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, um, changing um, systems of government or putting more pressure on, on yeah. the UN, etc. And that's why I started my answer with you, with addressing the issue and the conditions of, of detentions and making sure that people uh, that is the first that, that's oh, i don't disagree with you for one second i'm i'm saying the other solutions are medium to long-term solutions and they the problem is there's been no effort to try and bring about those solutions that's 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 the long-term investment that is lacking in terms of our public leaders but i don't disagree for one second uh, that uh, those in uh, in, in, in detention need to be treated as humanly as possible. And, and, and the taxpayer needs to be convinced. We've got to treat these people right, not just from a moral perspective, but it's important so that when they are released, they're able to integrate into the society without any further scarring and then seek compensation, which will cost the taxpayer more. And if we keep them for prolonged periods in Villawood or in other detention centres, all we're doing is we're expending further taxpayers' money. So we got, surely we can speed up the process of mm. deciding whether people are genuine refugees, uh, and if they are, they're not a, a, risk, a security risk to Australia. Let's give them, let's grant them uh, a release and not hold them up and keep wasting public resources. Great, thank you very much. I, I completely agree with you on that as well, and I hope that Australia can, um, you know, take part in in uh, positive steps to to uh, solve this issue. Um, you know, what we need, what we really need in Australia, is more social justice. And that's where we have spokesman for the Social Justice Network, based in Sydney, is uh, Mr. Jamal Dawood. Mr. Jamal, thank you very much for coming to the station. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Jamal has co-founded the Social Justice Network, and um, it's a network with quite a, uh, a wide variety of, of um, issues, such as the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, um, the war of Israel against Lebanon and Gaza. Uh, he's also worked as a journalist um, in the uh, Hayat Arabic uh, newspaper in Australia. Um, and he speaks three languages, Arabic, English and Russian. Yes. Uh, this is very yes. similar to uh, Condoleezza Rice as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, tell us, be. first of all, about... Um, um, Australia's, um, you know, um, about the Social Justice Network uh, position towards Australia's policies um, towards uh, refugees. 
Uh, at the moment, we are very concerned that Australian uh, uh, debate is going very backward uh, to the the same days, the same the same dark days of John Howard. Uh, we are seeing uh, Julia Gillard's government going back and adopting exactly uh, John Howard's rhetoric of Q jumpers, even Q jumpers. This is the lies that John Howard, Philip Redock, uh based all their policies. Now we are seeing Chris Powell and Julia Gillard seeing the, uh, saying that they, they want to see uh, people uh, queuing. And we don't know why they will queue anyway. First of all, the, the Convention to Protect the Refugees, uh, Geneva Convention, states very, very clearly that a refugee should be outside their country when they apply for asylum. Uh, so uh, an Iraqi cannot queue outside the Australian embassy in Iraq uh, seeking refugee because he will be not refugee. This is the first. In outside Iraq, uh, there is no queues, and uh, a refugee cannot wait for a queue. This is stated very clearly in the in the Geneva Convention that a refugee has the right uh, to travel. Uh, across countries until they find a safe country. So Australia, by uh, uh, selling this lie, this deception about queue jumping and, and the queues, they are, uh, in fact, uh, violating the Geneva Convention and the whole rhetoric which, which brought the Geneva Convention into, into place. Not only this, the, 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 the Julia Gillard and Kevin Rudd uh, was very proud that they abolished the Pacific solution. Now they're going to worse. We're going to Malaysian solution, Thailand, Thai solution. It could be uh, East Timor solution. Whatever solution, a lot of solutions could be a Jordanian solution. What, uh, we don't know. This is a trade. This is what... It, the, uh, the 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 Julia Gillard um, uh, Chris Bowen administration is 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 uh, uh, treating the refugees as uh, a good. We can trade you. We give mm. you eight thousand. You eight hundred. You give us four thousand, and then we give you some money here, one billion dollar, and you 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 are you relieve us from uh, public pressure. Uh, we should go back if of if the Labour government want to be different from the Liberal, we should go back. The, the basic uh, issue here that Australia doesn't have a problem uh, of unauthorized arrival. We don't have problems. In the last decade, uh, Australia was receiving between 1,000 to 4,000 uh, unauthorized arrivals by boat. If we compare this to Sweden or to England, it is nothing like Sweden. Uh, England is receiving 140,000. Sweden, Sweden as, as a, a very small country, it is not not big, not not as big as Sydney. They are receiving about 100,000 unauthorized arrivals. If we compare this, we don't have problems. With all vast uh, vast resources, we have a big uh, big country, and we are different from England because this is migrant country, not like England. We are oh, this is a migrant uh, built on migrants, and all of us except the Aboriginals, we, we are migrants anyway. Mm. We should we should uh, we should stand up to this to this issue here. But let me ask you a question there, Jamal. Um, there is always a, a fear 
that is, um, you know, mentioned publicly, clearly, and insinuated, which is that if we're lax on, you know, the the people smugglers from Indonesia, then there's going to be sort of uh, an express lane, which, I mean, people always say that, you know, within 20 years, uh, all of the refugees, uh, all of the asylum seekers coming in will fill out to the MCG, you know. But what if it becomes faster and faster and it becomes something... Um, you know, more boats, bigger boats, bringing more people, and then the average jumps from you know, say five, ten thousand a year to twenty, fifty thousand a year. What will happen then? Oh, this is not supported by any numbers. Uh, I hear this this argument. This did not uh, was not supported by any numbers. Even when when Kevin had uh, relaxed the the the, uh, the the regulations, there was no more than 2,000 people came unauthorized. So mm-hmm. there was not no influx of uh, boat people coming to this to, to Australia in the last uh, in the last decades. Uh, uh, it is it is all myths. Uh, Australia is very far from from uh, all the whole world. So it is uh, there is no there is no intelligence. There is no. Uh, no reports. There is no no suggestions by any by any uh, uh, credible source that Australia will be uh, like will be swamped by uh, boat people. Uh, we don't have these problems. The problem all it's political. We have political debate here. We are coming. We are sinking into very deep, very very down to the to, to this to this swamp of of, of racism and all 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 this uh, all this uh, scape, scapegoating. Uh, and uh, we don't have problems, so we need we need to to, to face up the the, the 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 facts. We need facts here. What's the facts? The facts is is very is is very clear. First of all, as I said, Australia can. Uh, uh, first of all, we don't have problems in the last in the last two decades. We d- we don't have we don't have problems with. We don't have problems with the, with the, with the refugees. The numbers is not very very big. Uh, secondly, we are facing uh, a big problem in, in in refugees. There is there is about 30, 30 to thirty five million refugees, and uh, Australia is not taking its shares. Australia t- Australia took uh, in the last in the last century took one million refugees, while while Iran. In in 20 years, they took about 3 million refugees. Jordan is taking about 4 million refugees. Syria is receiving about 3 million. um, I don't want to make these uh, comparisons because Australia, again, is a democratic country. In Iran, in uh, uh, Syria, in Jordan, these refugees are probably, you know, living hell on earth because they're being exploited. Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. And and, in Iran and Iran and in Jordan... They are not recognised. They are they are not given any rights to work. They are treated as uh, as uh, if you like scum uh, and as uh, as as animals in Iran. Still to this day, if you fled the Iraq uh, Iran war from Iraq and you resided in in Iran, you still are not given permanent residency. You are you still have to name a property in somebody else's name because you can't access uh, ownership rights in that country. So I think to make the comparison is just uh, you know, there isn't a comparison to be made. Thank you very there much for your comparison because Jordan took five five million refugees and they all citizens. They all have the rights to live there. And I am one of the Palestinian refugee who's living in Jordan, equal citizen. I have passport. I am running for I can run for election. I can I can work. I can own things. So there is 
And again, Jordan is very undemocratic society. It is a developing country. It is very small. We are, it is very, very small. There is no resources. We don't have water, you know. We don't have water. We don't have a lot of things. So Australia can take a lot of refugees. The I, other, I don't want to... Uh, can, can I see? Yeah, no, sorry. I'm just... Um, yeah, the example few, of uh, Palestine yeah. and Jordan is is very good example, yeah. but there is also many other factors. Yeah, I, I mean, understand. with the Iraqi refugees into Jordan as well. Exactly. We can yes. talk about Australian democracy uh, Comparing to English democracy, uh, I, I yeah, can, okay. I can. Right. Uh, comparing to that, to Danish democracy, Swedish democracy, very good. It's very clear. In the, in in all these countries, there is no no detention. There is no mandatory detention system. The system there is there is no this this political uh, debate about this solo. So let us uh, let us. Uh, I I will mention one one things here. The burning of of the detention uh, centers, for example. Uh, we should take the whole issue as holistic. These people have been in detention for a lot of time with no hope. The, mm. the minister coming on the on the on the TV, I said, "You will not be granted. Uh, you you will you will not be granted a visa. We will de we will we will deport a lot. The, the the system is a flawed. The offshore processing is a flawed. We left them with no other option. We treated them as scum. We st we treated them without. There is no hope." Uh, the, the the suicide rate inside the detention system the detention the detention system is very high on on almost daily basis and we can I can I can understand why they do the, why they do why they do this and I hold the government and the politicians the the the, the responsibility for such thing very good thank you very much uh, just a quick interjection from I mean uh, contribution from Anna Rose um, I actually found the point about Jordan quite relevant because. What I think it indicates is the fact that the push factors are so much stronger than the pull factors in that all these millions of refugees are going to countries where they're not getting rights, where their lives are going to be miserable because the fact is the refugee journey is mostly one of necessity. And the asylum speakers who I've spoken to, for the vast majority of them, if you ask why they came to Australia, the reason is because they have family here already. It's not because they've seen Australia as a great country or somewhere where they want to end up. It's simply because we're a support it's mm. where a support network already exists for so them. So this sort of disproves the economic uh, immigration theory? To an extent. I d the economic um, refugee theory is just absolutely redundant because there is no such thing. You can be as rich as anything. If you are going to be killed and your government in your country cannot stop that, you are by definition a refugee. It does not matter how much mm. money you have. Um, but on that, yeah, so on that point, it was just, um, it's so unlike, like this year there's, been half the asylum seekers arrived that there were the year before, even though there are more refugees in the world this year. And that's because the push factors are that the countries where refugees are coming from, um, people are going to Europe and in inside the Middle East rather than coming to Australia, um, such as from the Sri Lankan war, which has now ended. So people are very, it's not likely they're coming to Australia. So in that, this government rhetoric of, you know, creating solutions and that kind of thing, it does seem a little bit pointless to an extent. Um, and also, while I agreed with a lot of what Sam said, I felt like the pragmatism of the government seems to um, undermine the human rights of people who are in detention as if they are interchangeable um, within it. Like, you have to be a pragmatic government because you have, um, you're in political warfare, so therefore people's rights are less important. But I just cannot ever agree with that point. I think that people's rights, the human rights of the people in detention, are sacred and should always be sacred. 
Great. Thank you very much, Anurez. I find uh, not only this, uh, the, the inconsistency of this government's argument and rhetoric is, 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 is unbelievable. On the week where Kevin Rudd stood in the, in the parliament and says that uh, Hafez al-Assad, the, the Syrian leader, should be tried in Hague, and the opposition leader was demanding that the Syrian ambassador to be kicked out, Australia deported Syrian asylum seekers. Uh, the this in the same week, and there is we understand now there is Syrian asylum seekers are detained in a Christmas island to be shipped back to to Malaysia. Un unbelievable! The country is is saying Syria is under brutal regime, is under brutal crackdown. There is there is there is massacres. Maybe I don't uh, agree totally on this, but this is what the government says. And at the same time, they are deporting people to Syria, to the same country that the, our, 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 our foreign minister wants its leader to be tried in Hague. This is unbelievable. And the, the solution is we provided the government with many solutions, but they don't want, they, don't want, they, they have their own agenda, they are closed. They, we, we are very disappointed from this government because we, in fact, in 2007, we advocated people to vote for the Labour, but we did not advocate them in 2010, mm. and we will not advocate them in the next election. This uh, goes again into the realities, I the political realities that Labour is under now being a minority government. Uh, this is not true because this is minority government where they are, they are, they are allies with the left. Uh, they are allies with the Greens. The Greens are, are demanding more, you know? So the, the, the Labour government don't have excuse here. They, they are part of, 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 of a coalition of independents and the Greens who demanded more. And they are, they are, they are instead, they are allying with the Liberals. This is un unbelievable, you know. When the liberal, when the liberal leader comes on TV, this is worrying me as as a politi as political activist and an activist. The the the, the liberal leader comes to that on the TV and says that the labor the labor MPs backbenchers are are expressing to him concern about their government. They they the, the Julia Gillard and 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 uh, the, the 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 minister for for immigration. The, the 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 labor backbenchers think that the liberal that the liberal leader is more progressive than their their own their own, their own leader. Well, this is unbelievable. Today, John Faulkner was on the TV saying we lost we lost our direction. We don't have direction at the moment. The labor the labor party lost its direction. Very good. Can I have an answer from uh, Sam, please? I think uh, John, uh, in in response to Jamal's comments, uh, firstly on um, I'll comment back on his observation about John. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, it was. I want to stress. Uh, he was talking about um, uh, the violence and the and the va vandalism and 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 the helpless situation that detainees felt in. Um, I, I don't want it to uh, leave the impression uh, with you to think that uh, for one second I'm not sympathetic uh, to the hopeless uh, position that uh, asylum seekers and detainees are in. I know it too well. My father smoked 150 cigarettes a day, rolling them each day. And I knew the impact that that had on his health. But what I am stating clearly to you is that uh, I don't think, uh, and it is of no help, that certain organisations continue to uh, filter through to, um, to the asylum seekers and detainees that perhaps uh, having a riot will all of a sudden uh, get the uh, compassion and the mercy of the public. In fact, all it's done is harden the public's position. No, no I don't and think anyone here is, yeah. is uh, saying that um, the refugees should be... No, no, rights. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm just... I, my earlier comment was that it's, it, was, it was unhelpful and you can understand the public's out, outcry. I, I think in the long term it benefits nobody that these things happen. 
and the and the and the and the, and the solution while involves the government ensuring uh, that they, they're they're processed a lot quicker. It also involves on uh, organisations uh, like many of us that might be part of that do some work with detainees is to uh, to help them uh, in in their healing and in their in their current situation to make sure they take action that is uh, within the law, if you like, and not. Uh, one that uh, is chaotic or, or uh, breaching of rules because it doesn't help their personal situation. The other thing about uh, the the uh, the comments that uh, Jamal made, and, and that is to say that John Faulkner's comments were about broadly speaking, uh, and and the Labor Party itself. And there's no doubt, as a progressive party, it's going through a lot of change. Uh, but I, I will finish up on saying that um, uh, on a personal level, I uh, always think that the politics. And particularly on the Labor side of things, we could play the politics a lot better. But you can understand some backbenchers expressing some nerves because they are responding to community concerns. That's what a democracy is about. Uh, and I, I have no issue with that. But I think the political leadership, in particular on the Labor side, a party that is committed to migrants and committed to being uh, to making sure Australia is a decent and compassionate country, uh, I, I think the, the handling of the situation uh, could be far better from our political leaders. There's no doubt about that. Great, thank you very much, Sam. Okay, I, as somebody who was, I, I received uh, uh, life threats, they threatened me to, uh, when I was standing outside Villawood and say that the government is responsible for these fires, but I, I say again here that these people, in the community there is major, uh, the silent majority uh, you are talking about uh, it doesn't help them, but we understand that the community are very clever. They know what the government is doing, and they have sympathy to this to these people. I don't believe that these vocal people, who's, who the, the rednecks and all these racists, are representing of Australia. Australia. When when we ask for donations for these people, we 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 have a flood of of donations of of all of all kinds in the community. There is there is there is understanding that this is a political this is a political game. The Australia the, the the labor the labor government should distance itself from 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 this from this debate, but by rising and says there is no cues. Let us feel. Let us let us take our obligation seriously. We have obligation under under all international international treaties and deporting people because because they committed small offence in the inside the detention is against the against the obligation and treating people with de, with this with decency and with 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 respect to human rights. This is an obligation under under Geneva Convention and all other other related conventions and. As I, as I, as we said, this is very important issue. Not only because it is concerning about seven thousand people in the in the community, this is this is dividing the society. It is harming the so, the social cohesion. It's it's it is it is attack on social and so, social harmony itself. So the leaders, the leaders, our leaders, especially the Labour, which we which a lot of people think that they are they are progressive. They should st they should stood up and stop this game because this game is not only affecting only seven thousand people inside the detention. It is it is dividing a society which have about a twenty five percent migrants from non English speaking backgrounds, sorry. No, so th thank you very much. That was uh, very insightful. You know, I, I wish we could talk about this more, but unfortunately, we are coming to an end. So, um, I, uh, Sam, do you have something to well, just finish I, up with? Well, uh, I, I, 
today is uh, tonight. Uh, interview is really a commencement of many things to happen uh, for a lot of us. I take it who are involved uh, in various community groups and so forth. I know uh, next week uh, is a rather hectic week for me in terms of being on panels and uh, being guest speaker and, and so forth, and uh, including uh, this Sunday at uh, at the New South Wales uh, University, uh, and. My central message this week will be, and I want to start it off tonight, uh, is um, sometimes in the uh, debate about refugees, uh, we forget about a lot of the positives. Uh, we forget about the positive contribution that refugees have made and how we can move forward to help uh, refugee people. Uh, how can we help those who come uh, and, and join us as, citizenships, uh, as citizens uh, in their, in their, uh, by becoming citizens? And to me, we should, uh, in focusing on the wonderful contribution, uh, subsequently look to the future and say, we've got to make sure we do more to help those who come in new during the settlement phase. And, and that's why uh, I, I'm happy to uh, start it off uh, tonight. Uh, and I know uh, maybe uh, my fellow panellists would like to respond, but maybe we can do it some other time, by saying that we, all of us who are involved in this debate, should call for a national settlement program that focuses on ensuring that uh, when refugees are released, they're giving, uh, they are given assistance to be productive members of society, to seek employment, because employment is fundamental to integration, uh, to fu fundamental to being a, a law-abiding a law citizen and one that's productive. So a national settlement program uh, should be the call uh, of, uh, of all those involved in the debate in this coming week in the context of celebrating the contribution of asylum seekers. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Sami. Um, guys, Anton and um, Safdar, um, I would like to also end with you. Um, tell the people um, about the timings and the information for your, your arts project so that you know they, they know where to go. Sure thing. Um, our exhibition is called Fear Plus Hope, and uh, it's showing at the Murray Gallery, <clears throat> which is located on 168 Day Street uh, in the city. It's, it's a short walking distance from Town Hall. Um, the opening night is on the 20th of July. It opens at about 6 p.m. We'll have a few guest speakers. Uh, Graham Tom from Amnesty International will be there. So we welcome everyone to come to that. Uh, and you can also see at us our website, uh, which is therefugeeartproject.com. And we also welcome people to come in with us uh, on visits into the Villawood Detention Centre. So if anyone is interested in that, please email us on our website. All right, excellent. And uh, Jamal, um, are there any uh, activities you're going to be taking part in? Yes, uh, we have uh, we have organized activities on uh, the Refugee Day for the last uh, seven years. Uh, our organization was uh, uh, organizing something like this. this year. Last year, we organized lunch with uh, community lunch with the refugee with the detainees at Villaud. We will organize this again uh, this year. This year, uh, it it could be. Sunday 19th or, or Sunday the 26th. Uh, we have problems with the Department of Immigration. Uh, they are not cooperating with us. And not only this, they are banning me from entering the detention for no reason. Until now, I did not receive any any formal written notice that I am banned or for, for what which reason. When I talked to them yesterday and today, they are refusing to cooperate, but we will go ahead. Usually, we will go ahead without without their cooperation because they they, they never cooperated. 
we understand the department is under immense pressure. The, the minister is 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 is, is, is very is very tensed, and the, he has a lot of of, of trouble on his hand. And uh, but we will go ahead. It is our our duties here to show this these refugees that there is a lot of people in the community are caring uh, for this for 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 their well beings. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, I think now we come to the end, dear listeners. Um, I'd like to thank, uh, first of all, uh, Brother Jihad from the Brotherhood Rap Group from Melbourne for providing the soundtrack for the show. I'd also like to thank all my guests, Anton, Safdar, Jamal, and Rose, and uh, Sammy as well for um, you know making the time, and also for uh, Alex uh, Pagliari for making the time and coming and giving, giving us all this uh, beautiful information and insights. Uh, thanks also to my producer, Abdullah Zaid, for making the tea and answering the phone calls. Uh, finally, thank you all our listeners out there for soldiering on for the last two hours. Assalamu alaikum. Enjoy the long weekend. At least 28 asylum seekers are known to have died, and authorities are warning the toll is likely to rise. The mainstream Australians have been sold down the drain, increasing numbers of culturally incompatible refugees and migrants are entering our country. And of course, every government goes after the with no end in sight to the current wave of asylum seekers, nine years can reveal the true welfare cost to Australian taxpayers. This is a no detention centre. Refugees. Yes. Racism. Detention centre.